0: Hello this is the Landscape Ontario podcast. I am Scott Barber. On this episode I'm speaking with Burkhardt Mossberg. Burkhard is the president of the Small Change Fund which is currently working on a project called Unflood Ontario. You may have noticed their social media campaign in recent weeks and if you haven't you should definitely check it out. They've got some fantastic videos and information. Unfold Ontario's mission is to reduce flooding through natural infrastructure and really that's why we're here today to talk about the ways in which the landscape and horticulture profession uh, can be a key component in designing, building and maintaining that natural infrastructure. Our conversation is coming up next. So Burkhardt, Can you tell us about Unflood Ontario, Uh, you know, who launched it and what are the goals of the organization?
1: Yeah, sure, Scott. And thank you for having us. Um, Unflood Ontario was launched by community foundations. Community foundations are philanthropic or grant-making organizations in each city and town. And what they do, they invest from their assets, the interest to make the community better. So there's the Toronto Foundation, the Niagara Community Foundation, and so on. And the community foundations in Ontario had a sense that they weren't investing in climate change. And they certainly see climate change as a significant threat to their cities and towns and wanted to make a meaningful investment. But what they didn't want to do is sort of support the usual thing, the the kind of work that others are already doing. They were looking for a unique way to make a useful contribution on climate change. And they wanted to do it together. Uh, There's 10 community foundations involved on the Canadian side of Lake Ontario. So they got together and had a conversation about what can we contribute to this conversation, to climate change, to improving it. And what they came to conclude was that um, let's focus on one particular impact of climate change that is a particular threat in urban areas, and that's flooding. And flooding affects more than just homeowners. It affects people that want to go to work, but their TTC streetcar is stuck underneath the path, or the GO train is stuck in the in the floods in the Don Valley, or the elevator doesn't work to get down from an apartment building because the power is up. So they saw flooding as an issue that was relevant in an urban context, but it was also important from a climate change perspective because with climate change, we're seeing already increased extreme weather events. So we will have more heavy rainfalls or heavy snow melts that cause flooding. And then they thought, okay, how are we going to frame this in a positive way? Because when you hear about climate, it's always negative, right? We're all going to fry, right? There's always so much negativity. And yes, the science isn't particularly happy-go-lucky. The science is pretty devastating. But how do you then talk to people to motivate them, to actually say, listen, something can be done. So they said, how can we frame this to reduce the harm done by flooding? And that's how we got to unflood Ontario.
0: That's awesome. And and let me ask, and you mentioned a couple, uh, a number of things, but maybe if you could expand on a little bit, you know, the why, you know, the why people should really care. Um, Maybe it's, uh, some of them are really obvious, but maybe you could touch on or or expand a little bit on, on why this uh, is something that, you know, the average person should really be, taking an interest in?
1: Yeah, of course. And first and foremost is the cost of flooding. And I'm not just talking about the dollars and cents. I.e., If your basement is flooded, the average cost of fixing that in Canada is $43,000. So there is a real financial cost involved. Businesses have to stop Um your, your the cost of renovation and fixing potential mold issues. So there's clearly a financial cost to flooding. And that's why the insurance industry is so interested in our program because they're finding that they have more and more and more flooding claims. In fact, it's gone up by 400% in the last decade or so. But there's also another cost and that is what does it does to people? And in fact, studies have now shown that mental health is actually significantly affected. With a flooding, with a flooding situation, that people become more anxious when they hear heavy rain after they've gone through, uh, through a, uh, um, through a flooding uh, uh, disaster, and people should also care about this issue because we're just going to have more of it, right? When you look about, when you, when you think back the last few years, you know the major flood we had in, in the GTA area where I forget exactly the numbers. Twenty centimeters fell in an hour and everything shut down. When you think about the flood two years ago along the Muskoka River and the Ottawa River, where the premier had to declare state of emergencies. So in the projected climate change world, we're gonna see more of it. So the work on climate change has to be on two fronts. Absolutely, one is how do we actually How do we actually reduce the gases that cause climate change? But we also have to think about adaptation. We also have to think about the fact that this is happening now. So what do we do to protect ourselves? So people should care about this because invariably, you, you yourself, your family, a neighbor—you'll know something has been affected by flooding, and the costs are just too much, both financially and what it does to your health. Your, actually, your mental health and your physical health, uh, with the uh, with the potential for mold being stuck, and you know, you can also drown in floods, or you, know, you can get seriously hurt in floods. So uh, that's why people should care about this, Scott. For sure. So, what are those solutions?
0: Um, I think we'll we'll move into sort of the, the natural or green infrastructure. Why is, it,
1: why is it so key and important in this
0: uh, for this issue?
1: Well, when you look at urban areas, it's pretty much built up. I mean that what defines an urban area. But over the years that we built our cities, I think we've done two things wrong. Number one, too many hard surfaces, roofs and roads and parking lots, and so on. And that forces the cities and the municipalities to manage the stormwater. It's gotta go somewhere. And then it usually goes into pipes and the pipes they get to the nearest water body, whether it's a lake or a river. And sometimes those pipes underground that deal with stormwater are mixed with the stuff that comes out of your house, the sanitary sewers. So you're mixing your poop with your stormwater. And what happens when it rains a lot? Well, you know, the, the treatment plant that deals with your sanitary sewer cannot deal with the volume and it bypasses. And that's why after a heavy rainstorm, quite frequently, less so now, but certainly a lot in the past, the beaches in Toronto are closed because all that poop went into the into the lake, increasing the very harmful bacteria, meaning, you know, too many bacteria at the beaches, we can't go swimming. So we built too many hard surfaces. That's number one. Number two, we didn't really think about what all this infrastructure of stormwater systems costs. And now we're finding, wow, it's actually costing a lot. You know, in the city of Toronto, we have to replace so many stormwater pipes they're breaking, and we don't have enough money to do it. I guess that makes a lot of sense. You got to dig up the street, you know, you got to worry about cables and gas lines and dig it all up, you know, replace the piping, put it all back in. I mean, we've seen those construction sites. They're pretty intense, heavy machinery, lots of people working. So replacing those pipes is enormously expensive. So why not let nature help us? Nature was designed to deal with water. Take a green roof, for example, Like right? A green roof has, has the ability to absorb the water. The water will go towards the roots of the plant. The plant will use Evapotranspiration to get the water back into the air. It doesn't collect on the roofs. It doesn't have to be put into some sort of system. We don't actually have to manage it. That's the beauty of natural infrastructure. Nature is managing the water. Bioswales are another great example. Rain gardens, even deep paving, taking the concrete rain resistant pavement away and replacing it with something that let the waters come through. So Natural infrastructure, it's a fancy word for saying, let nature do its job. And then of course, the beautiful thing about, and literally beautiful thing about natural infrastructure, it is that it's beautiful. When you walk in neighborhoods in, in cities and towns, the ones that have lots of trees, lots of greenery, lots of bushes, lots of flowers, those are ones that we wanna live in and we, lo- we, we love, we walk there. So natural infrastructure, nature has lots of benefits. It, takes care of water and flooding. Now, to be fair, not all of it, this is not gonna be the only solution, but it's a significant one that will reduce flooding and the cost associated with it. But the benefits of beauty, beautifying a neighborhood, the benefits of providing uh, a habitat for species, whether it's pollinators or bugs or you know birds and other ones, it just creates habitat for our biodiversity friends. It also does things like reduce the urban heat island effect, right, where the cities are so much warmer than the rural and, and natural areas because of all that built up concrete. You know, if you ride a bike in the city of Toronto, if you ride a bike in the city of Toronto in the summer and you add a red light, you just feel the heat from everywhere you feel it from the engine running, you feel it radiating from the concrete and the asphalt coming up. Well, if we replace some of this with nature, it's gonna reduce the heat island effect. And the other thing that's really neat about natural infrastructure or nature is we can put people to work. In fact, I would argue with you that a um, a natural infrastructure program well-designed can be a fabulous COVID recovery tool. As I say, yeah, we all want shovel-ready projects, but I also like shovel-worthy projects.
0: I love that absolutely, and and in and, ter- and to add to the, of course, the, uh, the the water benefits, which is the primary, you know, point of discussion today. Uh, the urban heat, uh, mitigating the urban heat island effect. You also have the carbon sequestration of, of the plants and, uh, and the air quality uh, impacts as well. I mean, it really once you really put it all together in one package, it really does become a no-brainer, uh, at least to folks like you and I who, who are, are are really focused on this issue. It, it, it certainly seems like a no-brainer when you put it all together.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, that's two excellent points. You know, Improving air quality is really important in urban areas as well. The, the challenge that we're facing in the acceptance of natural infrastructure, and that's what our program hopefully will help overcome, is resistance by some people that don't see it as infrastructure, right? In fact, I wasted some of my time yesterday watching President Biden's speech to the Congress and the response by the senator from South Carolina who talked about the infrastructure program that President Biden has put in front of Congress, the almost $2 trillion budget. And the senator from, from South Carolina is, has a very traditional definition of infrastructure. It's pipes and bridges and roads and gas, um, gas uh, pipelines and so on. And what we need to get people to understand that nature actually can work for us. It is infrastructure as well. And the beautiful thing about it, it's self-replicating. It's going to be there for a long time. Long after the pipes break, you know, that tree will probably still stand there and still suck up all the moisture out of the ground, give all the habitat and clean air. So the challenge that we're facing in general is that there's a bit of resistance of not seeing nature as a really good infrastructure tool. Absolutely.
0: And I think that segues into, I guess, how, you know, the landscape Ontario community, um, which, as you know, Burkhardt is is folks that uh, it's landscape contractors, whether it's maintenance or design build, designers, architects, the folks that uh, sell plants at retail garden centers, and the nursery growers, really anybody that that works with plants. So, you know, from our perspective, it seems like this is a group that is really poised to be a part of these solutions in such a big way. Uh, how, how can they, you know, support Unflood Ontario and, and sort of be a
1: part of these solutions? Well, first of all, thank you to your members. You know, thank you for getting your hands dirty. In fact, <laughs> we're doing a social media post this week, next week. I tried a bit of a cheeky and the card, the social media's card says, uh, send us your dirty pictures. And the image of that card is a bunch of hands in dirt. Uh, so thank you to your members for getting your hands dirty every single day in providing beauty and uh, landscape solutions and plants and making, uh, you know, creating lots of jobs and doing that. So first of all, just thank you to your community in doing that. Um, so there's a, there's a couple of things that come to mind. Um, the first one is help us spread the message. You actually, your members. You know, I would assume that several of your members, many of your members, have customer lists or client lists. You know, people that you do business with. What's wrong with talking to them about, you know, hey, I just did your whatever on your property. I noticed your driveway is like full of asphalt. You know, we got a product here to do this. Or I noticed that your rain, ba- uh, that your your downspout is still connected to the uh to the sewage system you know we can give you a barrel, you know or there's a program here that lets you take advantage of rain barrel you know uh placement by the city or something speak to your clients speak to your customers and of course there's many ways to do that and i'm sure you know many of them are pros in this and what to say and how to say it but be fearless of speaking about nature as a solution to many of our issues in an urban environment. Be fearless in speaking about the values and bringing nature back to the city. One of the interesting things doing co one of the many interesting things with this pandemic, uh, for me living in downtown Toronto, is the use of city parks over the last year, you know, especially by younger people. Yeah, certainly the kids that go in the park to play, uh, but also, The millennials, the 20 and 30 year olds, so the bars are closed, they can't go anywhere. Well, where do they congregate? They go to parks, why? Well, it's pretty, it's beautiful. It's nice to sit on the grass. It's great to watch people, you know? So we're actually seeing this great increase in use. So number one is allow your members or I would urge your members to become active in speaking out, active talk to your clients in particular. And then the second thing I would say, and you know, um, I know uh, you as a landscape ontarian organization doing some of that, but there's also a way for your members to do that, and that is lobby, talk to your provincial or federal representative, talk to your city councillor. You know, it's actually fascinating to see. I've done a little bit of work in politics, very little, um, how much impact that has in the city councillor's office. And when we started this program, Scott. We uh, we started in Niagara, Durham, and Toronto, and that's still our focus, although we're expanding it to all the other areas on the Lake Ontario. Uh, we send a simple email out to some civil servants, some bureaucrats in Durham. They want to let them know, hey, listen, we're thinking of doing this. We're thinking of launching a Durham. Are you interested in joining? You know, What can we do together? One email to some mid mid-level bureaucrats and civil servants. You know who showed up? The chair of the region, John Henry the mayor of Ajax, it had filtered up to the political body. And because there was flooding, those politicians paid attention. They showed up and we're like, "Uh, John, what are you doing here? Well, because when they get phone calls about flooding, it's a big deal for them. Burlington, right? Three, four years ago, when Burlington had those massive floods, you know, the mayor and city council and the whole, municipality was so busy with with the mitigation of it and the thousands of people that were affected by that, right? So your members should talk to the elected officials. It actually works when, you know, enough of them do it. And they do it in a constructive way, right? I sometimes find we deal with our politicians just too meanly, right? Like we're abusing them or we're saying nasty things. You know, the stuff that some of them have to put up with, you know, I come to think of Minister McKenna, the former climate, um, environment and climate change, minister that got her her um her office defaced with graffiti and being called climate barbie and all that bs right so i'm sometimes i'm a little pissed off at that that people trip- it's, it's not productive yeah. yeah it's like you may not like what they say but don't degrade them as people you know yeah. but i think your members you know and often, but not, not often, always, they're small business. They have a much different voice when they speak about this issue than environmentalists do, right? If I'm a politician and, you know, Greenpeace calls me up or mammal Defense or, well, I know exactly what they're going to say, right? Like, okay, these guys want to protect the polar bear, reduce air pollution and drive public transit, I get it. But if one of your members comes in as a small business person and say, listen, you know, I want to hire more people. This is a great business for... Uh, for certain, for a certain segment of the unemployed population to come in and work, you know, let's put more nature in the city, Mister Councillor, or you know, Miss Provincial Representative. So I think your members can be a very powerful voice in this, in this, on this issue, and they should not be fearful to to use it.
0: Absolutely. And and such a compelling uh, message. It really is, as I mean, what we've spoke about over the last 20 minutes or so, all the different aspects to it. Um, As I said before, you know, it looks to me like a no brainer. But really what I'm saying is there's just so many angles to it that are compelling really across the board to really anybody of any political stripe, Um, whether it's, you know, dollars and cents, whether it's the, the climate aspect there really is something for everybody to get behind um, with these natural, this natural infrastructure, um, you know, solutions that we're we're talking about, so.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point that this is not a partisan issue. No, it's not a partisan issue, right? The Greens will like it because it brings butterflies in, you know, the Conservatives should like it because, you know, it helps uh, keep costs low, right? The Liberals should like it, the BDP should like it because it creates jobs, you know, there is really no reason why this is a partisan issue.
0: Absolutely, and it makes our yeah. It, 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 it also improves the the aesthetic and uh, 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 you know the aesthetics of our communities and our streets. And so it's just it really does seem to be uh, a, a pretty good thing for everybody. And I love when you said earlier, and I, I don't think I'd ever heard it before. We all love shovel ready projects, but you know what's even more important is is shovel worthy um, and this type of proactive. Um, you know, thinking in infrastructure. Uh, hopefully, it's the it's what the tw- it's going to mark the twenty the twenty first century. Hopefully, mm-hmm.
1: if I can say one more thing, Scott, and I'll be a, 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 an ashamed uh, self promoter, perhaps. But we're running this as charities, right? The community foundations are charities. I work with a small change fund that's the partner in this as well that does the execution. The other thing your members can do is donate to the campaign. If you go to unflatontario.ca. On the top right has a donate button. It brings you to a very simple interface where you can put, you know, your credit card number and make a donation. We would be grateful and we'll use that money towards uh, unflooding Ontario even further.
0: Absolutely. And, and definitely be sure to to follow, um, you know, unflood Ontario across social media. I, I know Landscape Ontario, if you're already following Landscape Ontario, um, we're going to be sharing and already have started sharing some of the really fantastic videos and, and graphics and information that, uh, that your organization is, is, is uh, sharing on social media. And I think that's something else our, me- our, our members can do in a simple way to support the, uh, the message and the organization is, is share it with your, with your followers as well, because it, that will obviously amplify the message.
1: Yeah, that would be great if they could do that. The videos are online on unfloodontario.ca. If you follow uh, on any of the platforms, you know, hashtag Unflood Ontario or at UnfloodOntario. And I want to speak a little bit about the videos. Uh, we did yes. s- six, six of them. One is sort of a two minute live action um, problem statement, which I think in a very short time is, if I may you know, be so selfish in saying one of the best explanations of why natural infrastructure is working and why we need it in the flooding context. And then the other five are solutions. So we're kind of, we're talking about rain gardens and deep paving and rain barrels and rain gardens and all those stuff. But what we try to do in those five solutions videos, uh, first of all, they're done by claymation, which is really interesting. It's sort of a, a mixture between claymation and life. Um, so it has a in my mind, again, being very selfish, having been involved in this, a very strong creative base. But believe it or not, we included some humor in this. We didn't want to, when you hear about flooding, it's like, oh shit, right? I mean, your whole body feels bad. Your mind is racing about what impact this is going to have. It's not a fun thing to think about. So what we said is, As we're creating communication assets, as we're speaking to people about this issue, do we want to be, again, sort of down and negative? Yeah, this sucks. It costs you $43,000 to clean up your basement. Or do you want to be uplifting? There is a solution. We can do these things. So each one of those solution videos actually has a bit of humor attached to it. So it's a little bit easier for people to absorb that message. I mean, scientists, neuroscientists have shown this many times over is how you speak to people, what approach you take has a big influence on whether or not they retain it, number one. And number two, whether or not they're willing to do something as a result of having heard that message. So I really urge your, your members to not just look at the videos and hopefully enjoy them, but also share them with your customer base and on your platforms.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I I've, I've checked them out and as I said we we're, we're sharing we'll, we're going to be sharing them over the next couple of weeks as they come out and I just love them. They they're they're so well done. I agree. Um, yeah. So, Berko, uh, unless there's any other issues that uh, that we haven't touched on, I mean, you know, we could We could probably talk all morning uh, and then some about the issue, Um, but, you know, really hoping just to sort of pique the interest of our members uh, and our audience to hopefully to want to get involved more and, and uh, to learn more. But is there anything else that we didn't touch on that, that you'd like to touch before we uh, finish off?
1: Well, the one thing I will say that it's last week, um, uh, the, in, in in April, the federal government launched its first budget in two years, and I'm not going to go into all the stuff that's in there. It's not my role. Uh, I may have some personal opinion, but there shouldn't be. Uh, I shouldn't bore your listeners with that. However, there was one item in there that's really interesting, and that is a 200 million dollar natural infrastructure fund under Infrastructure Canada, and that minister is Catherine McKenna. Very much agreeing that $200 million is supposed to be spent over three years. And what we're hoping that some of your members could do is encourage the minister, encourage the federal government to allocate some of that money to urban areas. Yes, there's lots of stuff we can do in suburban and rural areas on natural infrastructure, right? Wetland, build wetlands to retain some of the water that's coming down the rivers that could flood the urban areas, tiling in agricultural fields, tree planting galore in areas that that, that deserve more trees. Uh, And that's all really valuable stuff. What What I'm really hoping is that the minister and the federal government focus also on urban. Because we can make a big difference in the urban area, so if your members are interested in getting involved in that conversation, you know, either as individuals or as part of Landscape Ontario, to urge that, um, uh, to urge the federal government and have that fund at least. I mean, my goal would be half. Let's spend 150 million dollars on nature in cities. It will make a huge difference.
0: Absolutely. No, I think that's that's super important. And and again, as, as you mentioned earlier, the it's so important for uh, you know small business people to uh, to to recognize the the power they can have when they have a great message um, to share it with uh, with their with their local members of parliament. This is a federal issue, so with your your local member of parliament, your MP. Um, it's really important to, to use your voice. Uh, we have a great, a great, uh, compelling uh, issue here that uh, that our profession can be a part of the solution for. And you know why not? Why not make your voice heard on that? So I, I totally agree. Great. Well, why don't why don't we leave it there? I really, really appreciate your time to to chat about uh, what Unfloored Ontario is doing, the issue more more generally, which obviously you're you're incredibly passionate about and knowledgeable in. So. Really appreciate you you taking the time to to chat about it, and uh, really looking forward to to following and and seeing what uh, this group does going forward.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Scott.
0: Thank you. Take care. Bye bye.